And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, Civilized Barking here on The Athletic. Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd counting you down. to Sunday, September 11th, Browns at Panthers. Um, thanks for listening, thanks for reading, thanks for following, all that stuff. And Jason, it turns out, um, with all the drama, all the ineptitude, all the quasi-courtroom stuff, all the grandstanding, it turns out at the end of that, there's actually a football season. You play games and you try to win. It's weird, I know. We forget that sometimes. But it's here, um, five days from right now, four days from right now, I guess. We'll be walking over uh, to Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, where Baker Mayfield will play for the other team. And the Cleveland Browns will be out to kill. Baker will be out to fuck them up, apparently. Uh, we'll get to that whole thing. <laughs> but finally, it's here. Um, it's been exhausting, right? But uh, let's let's tee it up and, and see what happens. Most of the time going into week one is like when you're supposed to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready and invigorated and you're coming off vacation and you're ready for the season to start. And there's so much excitement. I'm exhausted. I can't imagine how you feel. Like, it, it feels like we've already gone through three seasons since last season ended, and now the season begins. It's been, of all of the Browns off seasons, this has to be the most fill-in-the-blank. The most Brownsiest of Browns off seasons. It's been three full years since they last played a game. It's unbelievable. Like, I'm, I'm seriously mentally exhausted of the Browns, and we haven't even gotten to week one yet. Yeah, um, we'll see. There's a lot to cover here, and and I do I, I don't just want to focus on the other team's quarterback. Um, it makes for a fascinating storyline, an incredible storyline. I could go on and on and on. Um, I'm not surprised how it's been handled, you know, by by either side. And and frankly, you know, once the game starts, it doesn't matter because in a first game, there's there's an element of mystery of what you're gonna do, and of course you. You know, you always want the ball to just come out of the quarterback's hands quickly and just get guys in the flow and all that. And then, you know, you have all this. So (laughs) let's start with this. A year ago, as we were counting down to the opener and the Browns went to Kansas City and the Browns were prepared. Right. And the Browns were sharp and the quarterback was throwing darts all over the stadium to Jarvis Landry and to Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz was catching them. Um, And for three quarters, the Browns could play that game so that day if i just said next year's opener the browns will play against baker (laughs) what would you have said Uh, that's i've i've thought about that often or some variation of that often and it's it's alarming it's i mean a year ago at this time we were discussing whether it was whether baker was worth 350 million dollars and we got our answer we answered that question (laughs) the browns emphatically answered that question it's 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 really stunning 
to think how much has changed in a year. Um, I, I just, I, I, it's, it's why I can't wrap my head around it. That's why it's been such an exhausting off season for various reasons, for multiple reasons. And, you know, like I've, I've never crushed the Browns over the Watson deal because I was in favor of it. And so I can't turn and run now from it, even though it has gone much worse than I think anyone anticipated when they first got him. The suspension was longer than they thought it was going to be. You know, we don't have to relitigate everything that we've lived for the last eight months. But I, I can't sit here and rip it now because I didn't think Baker was good enough. And I thought they needed to upgrade the position and they did that. Uh, but it's just been a wild ride. It's been a wild year. And uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that football is finally here. And I'll be really thankful when we're past this and we're past all the Baker nonsense and and we get through just this week and on to the rest of the season. It's all fine and dandy, except they're about to begin a season with the best roster they've had since you and I were in high school. Yeah. And they've downgraded the position for most of the Yes, season. they have. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been I've been – Let's just get the Jimmy G stuff out of the way because it's gone. That ship has sailed. But I've been pretty vocal all along. Th- that of everything that's happened this off season, that actually blows my mind. Maybe more than anything is that they wouldn't go make that move and restructure the contract, do whatever you have to do to give yourself a chance. Zach, I'm looking through all of our stuff this week that posted on the Athletic of like the Browns' chances this year. Nobody in our company is giving them any sort of chance to make the playoffs. Like 98% chance that they would be vying for the number one seed, according to the one article I read. Ranked, I think, like 21st in the power rankings, the 21st ranked team behind behind teams that we never would have put them behind, you know, a few months ago. Um, nobody thinks that this team's any good. And it's because Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback for the first 11 games. Well, yeah, I, I mean, this I have a problem with that. Um because this this is a team that still has some pretty good parts, absolutely right. Um, this is a team that can make the playoffs. Is it likely? No. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, we did the AFC North preview, and and they I didn't read all the way down the list. I knew what the first four questions were, and the last one was what's the percentage chance your team wins the division? And I thought, oh shit, I hadn't thought of this. Right? I put it about at twenty five percent. Our athletic computer model puts it at about twenty three percent. Um, there is a path to making the playoffs, and it is in the defense that I think is underrated nationally. That finished the year last year and is proof that the Browns are really trying and, and actually starting to build something. Because we know they last year they tried to fix the defense and it didn't happen until late November, early December, and they bring almost everybody back, right? Um, but, you know, for as much pressure as there is on anybody's opener, for as much as the Browns' history of openers doesn't mean anything and it doesn't really deter. And on, on October 15th and specifically on November 15th, Jason, we really won't be talking about this game. But the schedule makers gifted the Browns a winnable start here, right? And for all the um, turmoil and everything we've been over and will continue to go over, like the path to the playoffs is go get a road division win to start build some momentum here, right? Win these games, at least most of them that you're supposed to win, you're probably going to be favored in all four, maybe even five. And we'll see about that um, to start the year. And and that's how you got to do it is, is jump on and then, and then see where it goes. So um, <laughs> I, 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 one thing I would always lay out in a season preview piece in some form or fashion, right? 
you know, surprise player, dark horse player, X Factor, all these things. Who's the most pressure on? Well, damn it, to me, it's on everybody. And if the Browns don't win this game on Sunday, then it's really, really going to be miserable times 400 for a guy named Kevin Stefanski. Even miserable, more miserable than his press conferences every single day. <laughs> I'm calling off. If they if they if they lose Sunday, I may just not write and fly home and, and quit. Like <laughs> I just can't even imagine. <laughs> just can you imagine? Just call the bosses. Yeah, you know what? I know we just spent all this money to send me there. I got nothing. Like I'm I'm done. <laughs> I'm gonna go dig ditches for the rest of my life. It's it's I it this is there Zach, there feels like there's so much pressure in this building on this one game. And it's just one game. But it's so much more than that. And for it to be against him and down there, it, I, I can't recall ever this much pressure on one game, on the first game, I should say, on the first game of the season. Like, since since they came back in 99, there was no pressure to win, but obviously that was a highly anticipated no. game with the return. Hey, let me stop you real quick, Jason. Let me stop you real quick and just say I, I, I agree. But what you said is it's just one game and there's so much pressure. Guys, both things can be true, and both things are true here, I think. Absolutely. Because if – I mean, I don't want to say if they lose the game, the season's over, because that's ridiculous. There's there's 16 to go after that. But if they lose that game, that's not a building I want to be in for the next week to 10 days to two weeks. No. Like, I, I just no. – it's, it's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Inside – like, outside for sure. Inside. With with the ownership perspective of all this and everything, I I just think Zach, I think you're right. Like, listen, I don't think I I, I caution to say I don't see a scenario where you could fire the head coach because of everything that's happened this year. But this is the Browns, and and could you imagine a scenario where Baker wouldn't be yeah. back as the quarterback? No. So anything can happen. Amen. But I I can't imagine. I can't imagine Kevin Stefanski being in trouble at any point this season, unless it just completely unravels and they're three and 14 and then anything's possible. But losing that first game would not be the right tone that you want to set for him or for this season. No, not at all. Um, Not at all. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so <laughs> let's lay it out this way before we talk about my experience from a stadium tunnel and locker room access a few weeks ago. Um, the last time that Jason and I were in a stadium together, preseason notwithstanding, when you were allowed to, and not free reign, you've always had restrictions, obviously. These are major events. <laughs> I know where you're going with but, this. <laughs> yeah. In 2020, we had COVID, so we had no access to players or coaches. And if you went to the stadium, you never left your seat and you never came within three levels of anyone. Last year, uh, we did not have locker room. We had major restrictions on where we could enter the building, let alone be associated with the players. So the last time we were allowed to go was the 2019 Freddie Kitchens finale at Cincinnati. The game didn't mean anything, and the game got out of hand. We figured Freddie was going to get fired. We certainly didn't think John Dorsey was going to get fired, though. No, right? Yeah. We knew it was bad. And so with about 10 minutes left in the game, we got out of the press box, and we just went down to the tunnel uh, in Cincinnati of where we were allowed to be. And we were only allowed to be in, a, what, a six-by-eight area? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, once we were posted up. But we had access to – seeing a lot of things and we just wanted to see who was walking with who and what the body language was and how it all went. And anybody who's followed the Browns, even one inch over casually knows how Jimmy Haslam walks. Right. And they know how red and purple Jimmy Haslam. (laughs) And we remember that walk and we might see one on Sunday if they get beat. Right. We remember parsing through who was with who from upper management and ownership and all of that stuff and the looks on their faces. And then we remember the quarterback coming through and having to get held back by his teammates from fight, trying to fight a guy who was pushing a beer cart around the bottom of Paul Brown. That's where I thought you were going with this. (laughs) Well, right. Baker yelling at the beer guy. Just just those scenes, those personalities. I mean, this is flat out fun and it's fascinating. Like what's going to happen and what are these reactions going to be? You're right about that. Actually, was the lead to my column was the Jimmy walk, and you could just tell walking, walking. You're you're 100 right. Walking through the corridor outside the tunnel, Jimmy walked through the the into the clubhouse or into the locker room. You just you just knew Freddie was done. And oh, for the love of God, I hope we don't see that walk. That's the game they were out, and, and that you know this is all from the end of the game and 15 minutes after. That's the game that two hours before the. They're out for early warm-ups, and their coaches and players are doing their, hey, how are you? And someone walks up to Todd Munkin on the Bengals staff and says, how's it going? And he says, it's a fucking mess here. It's a fucking disaster. <laughs> and they were all uh, put out of their misery later that night. Yes, <laughs> they Fred were. And being genuinely stunned that he got fired really says it all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think we would spend this much time talking Freddie on a week one podcast, but I was told, Zach, I don't know if you heard this right. too. And, and listen, I, I will say this. I know you guys, you know, some of you diehards and we appreciate you. Some of you don't hate the truth. A lot of you accept it, but some of you don't like to hear the truth about the Browns. Like the history of the openers doesn't matter. 
Like, of course, you've had a lot of bad openers. You've changed everything every year and a half to two years. Of course, you've had a lot of bad openers. You've had 32 fucking quarterbacks, and a lot of them have been named, you know, Cody Kessler, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Ken Dorsey and Bruce Gradkowski and Colt McCoy. And Spurgeon like, Wayne, Of course, my they have really gone well. <laughs> you know? Um, so that that really doesn't matter. And, and I, I think this Baker thing has taken it off. I mean, that number will make it into notes articles. That number means nothing to anybody on the Panthers or anybody on the Browns, right? Um, it just doesn't. So a few weeks ago, when Baker was not officially named the starter, but we knew it was happening, I got out the schedule, and I saw that the Panthers' preseason finale was on a Friday against the Bills, and the Browns was on a Saturday. So I went to my boss, and I said, I think I should go to this Um Write about, you know, we'll write it for the next week, the dead week, which is the week to just, and we'll be first because we know that when the week rolls around, everybody's going to be on their best behavior, right? Jason, I told you and you said, yes, go for it, do it. So I reached out to the Panthers and they're very clear. You're not going to get a one-on-one with Baker. I said, that's fine. But Austin Corbett's on the team. Richard Higgins is on the team. Zane Gonzalez was on the team. He got a season ending injury that night, actually kicking practice kicks. But I went and I'm thinking, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see here and we'll do this. So um, it's a preseason game. There's, I don't, I'm not even interested in the game itself much, especially past the quarter and a half that Baker played. So 10 minutes left, I go down to the Panthers tunnel and post up. It's a similar situation too. I just want to see who he's walking off with, whatever. So the game ends and a couple minutes go by and here they come. And here comes Baker. He's by himself. He reaches up. He high fives a couple fans and he comes over. Comes walking by, and we're probably like 15 yards away. And he sees me, and he kind of stops. And I'm not trying to make it over dramatic like it was the movies here. But he kind of stops, and he looks right at me. And, you know, I've told you guys on this podcast, he blocked me on Twitter. Um, that doesn't mean that he even knows my name, right? <laughs> That's just him. I don't know. Um, I When Baker was a rookie, he was polite, and he was great. And I went to him in the locker room, and he could not have been better. And Baker's second year, he could not have been a bigger dick to me, frankly. And I just quit talking to him. That's all. <laughs> It, it really wasn't any lingering uh, anything other than that is just, okay, this is how it's going to be. So he kind of looks and nods, and I said, hi, Baker. And he nodded and went in. So the coach did his press conference, and Baker did his press conference. I didn't go to that. I went in the Panthers locker room to interview Austin Corbett, interview Richard Higgins, um, the rookie left tackle, Iki Aquano, who's got to block Miles Garrett in his first game. Just try to get as much feel for what's going on here. As possible. So talk to Higgins for, gosh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Um, Baker kind of walked by. They looked at each other, had a giggle. They knew what's going on. Um, the Corbett interview, Jason, was one of the funniest of my career because I didn't really know him at all, and he didn't know me. And so I'm trying to butter him up. I'm not going to just go right at first question out of the gate, like tell me about Baker Mayfield, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but kind of dragged on. Anyway, we, we get a 30-minute period or so, and we're almost to the end of it. And I'm looking and, um, you know, there's nobody else in there and the Panthers home locker room is really long. So Baker's at the front where I have to go out. I'm making my way all the way to the back. There's really nobody else to interview, no notable players. So I go walking out and he's still there. And so I go walk by him and he looks at me and he nods and I nod and we just exchange, you know, I don't even know pleasantries, but I wasn't going to go running. I knew I wasn't getting an interview for one. I wasn't going to go running up to him and be fake like we're friends, but we're making person-to-person eye contact here, right? 
So he's kind of gives me the what's up. I say, you know, wish you good luck. And he nods and I leave the locker room. Now I'm about six steps out of the locker room and he yells, we're going to need it in week one. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? That's funny. And that's just him, right? Like he has that, that's, that's his personality. He needed to get the last word in that whole deal. Well, this is Friday night. The Cynthia Freeland shit storm that should have never, ever happened was what? Four days later, three days yep. later. Yeah. Um, so knew nothing about it. Um, you know, thought we would have the first story. You know, I didn't see her, him out there with her. I don't know what did or didn't happen. But anyway, that was the interaction. And that was going to be in my story that he was basically saying, I know we're going to need it. And he can say all he wants that he's not thinking about week one. But guess what? He's been thinking about week one. So, of course, that whole scenario kind of shifted that. But um, you can feel free to ask me or take this in any direction that you want. Now that this this long-winded ramble is over, um, you know, there was nothing that either side could say, did say, or needed to say that was going to add any extra sauce to this. And since the day he got traded there on July 6th, and since the day the Browns first got on the practice field on July 27th, both sides have known damn well what Sunday is and what's at stake. So let's show them how the sausage is made, because that was going to be in the story. And I, I, I don't know if you're going to talk about that on, on this podcast or not. Um, and I, I don't want to make too much of it and have it turn into another situation like that last one was, which got blown yeah, way out of really proportion. No, it wasn't much. Yeah. But you and your editor chose not to include that in the story. I think that was the right decision. Um. For because there's enough, there was enough innuendo and insinuation and and accusations of the media trying to make something out of nothing. Uh, but you told me that story that night that 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 was the exchange and interaction that you had with him. Um, I don't know, like I for much of this off season, I was trying to give Baker the benefit of the doubt because if if this summer didn't sort of humble him and and mature him, nothing will. Because every team in the league passed on him. And I've said it a couple times now. The Colts needed a quarterback and had the opportunity to get a guy who theoretically could be their quarterback for the next 10 years. And they said, no, you know what? We're going to go get Matt Ryan, who hasn't had a good year in three years and is at the end of his career. We'd rather have that than have you, Baker. And and what that and the Colts are a pretty good franchise. And and so I, I just kind of thought, okay, and he did the one, Baker did the one podcast early in the summer and he played the victim role a little bit, although not to the extent that he could have. And then he kind of kept his head down and his mouth shut for much of the off season. So I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt thinking maybe he finally has learned. And what, what, what no matter what he did or didn't say with Cynthia on the sideline, you know, I obviously, I believe wholeheartedly about the exchange you had with him. You told me about it that night. And then the the stupid T-shirt off the off the chain. What what are you thinking? And so like I'm like, all right, you know what? It's you're not going to grow up. This is who you are, and this is why they got rid of you. You're a child, and you're always going to be a petulant child. Because I really tried with him. I really tried this summer to think that things were going to be different, and this summer really opened his eyes. But the the interaction with you and the stupid T-shirt tells me, nope. This is him. This is always going to be him. And he'll probably be out of the league in five years. It's always going to be him. Right. And, and, and that's kind of the beauty of it. And that's the charm. And that's why so many people latch on when it's going well. 
right? Like, did his personality not fit um, as cheesy as it is this city and this franchise that had won three games in three years? You know, four years? Four, four games in three years? Whatever. You know, did Baker on the big screen of Jacobs Field chewing that beer can not say, oh, my God, this is he's arrived. We can get behind this guy to, he, to he, 70% of the fan base? He gets us. Hashtag one right, of us. Right. And like all that the personification other of that. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, when it's not going well and when you see that. And, and why I was saying since mid last season, like this is over, right? Is it's just not, you know, there has to be a level of presidential. There has to be a level of maturity and of understanding and of feel. And like I said, he was, his comment to me, he was being completely humble. He knew what I, where I was going the next day. I was going back to Cleveland, you know? Um, he, he was just, he just couldn't help but get that out there. You know, and like I said, that that's I, we want as writers, broadcasters, whatever, Jason, we want guys to be authentic. We want that. We, we know when they can't give us the full answer. We know when they can't fully say what they want. Right. But we want them to be authentic. And he was that he is that he's going to be that. So, um, you know, can he win X amount of games for the Panthers? I don't know. That discussion is above us. Can he win one game for the Panthers? Yes, that game this Absolutely. Sunday. That, that's why we're having this discussion. Um, I think this. I will not release my prediction until uh, this week in Browns column comes out on Friday. And I'm going to wrestle with it. So, frankly, some weeks I'm hustling to get that done and click submit. Not this week, right? I think I'm going to pick the Browns. And I think I'm going to pick the Browns because I think Kevin Stefanski will have a great plan as he did last year and getting these guys ready to play immediately week one. I think Nick Chubb will bust one or two runs and I think the defense will deliver and they'll win a close game. And it might even be the kicker, uh, you know, from Greenville at the buzzer. You know, it's going to be a 19-17-17-16 type game. But Baker Mayfield, guys, is not a terrible quarterback. Baker Mayfield... Had went there in a short amount of time and won over the locker room. No, they were really, really bad last year at the game's most important position. They're going to be sharp, too. He's got Christian McCaffrey, and their game plan is going to be to neutralize Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney by simply getting rid of the ball out of Baker's hands before those guys have a chance to do much, right? And so we'll see. Um, we know the Browns' pass offense is limited, too. We'll see. I think I'm going to pick the Browns to win. But when we walk in that stadium Sunday morning – um, I'm going to be looking for the T-shirts and the jerseys and and seeing who's hugging who pregame. I'm not going to have – what happens once that ball is kicked, I'm not really going to – barring a blowout by one team, I'm not going to be surprised by by any result because this is a true toss-up game, and, and it's fascinating on many levels. I got a really bad feeling about Sunday. I've had it for a few weeks. I don't know if it's just PTSD from the Browns, uh, but I just, I, I just have – a really bad feeling about how this is going to go because Zach, I agree with everything you said. I don't think Baker is an elite quarterback. I don't think he's much better than average, but I think he can absolutely win one game for him when he needs to. And, and this would be the one and just with everything at stake, I just, I don't know, man, I got a bad feeling about it and I hope I'm wrong for a lot, for the sake of a lot of people in Berea. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I just, I, I don't know. I got a I got a really bad feeling how this is going to go.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, um, just to lay out a couple of points here, because Baker and just the whole general thing is, is the thing here. Um, the Panthers have a really good defense. A healthy Christian McCaffrey is a, is a super unique weapon in this league. I think people know that. Um, you know, losing their kicker could be major, because I don't think anybody expects that this is going to be trade long touchdown pass after long touchdown pass. I think Browns are going to try to ground, grind it out, and I think with, with Kareem and with Nick – that they feel like that they will be able to, you know, to an extent. Um, we'll see how that goes. Just one thing on the Browns pass game. They're going to need it, and we'll see. Going back to the preseason finale, um, and again, I, I even when I don't get involved in the feedback, I appreciate it. It's not that the customer is always right, but I'm listening to you guys, and I appreciate when you follow and, and, and you do this. And I said, hey, you know, the presets, eh, and people were like, did you not see the drop passes? Do you not know this is a preseason? Like, come on. Well, I would just tell you guys this is what the passing game looks like. There's only so much you can do. It is extremely, extremely limited. And I just don't think that Kevin handled it right. To wait until after that first game to put him in charge of the huddle, um, I think was was wrong. Because so many things that this offense needs to do, in terms of making runs look like passes, making passes look like runs, hit screen passes, he's not very good at guys because he's just he just can't move. He just is not mobile, and that takes an already limited offense in terms of attacking various spots and specifically spots past six eight yards, and makes them more limited. So I don't have very high expectations there. Um, in every fantasy football format, I had a chance to. I've drafted Nick Chubb. They're going to feed him. It's time. Um, they're going to. I really do think this defense, if it stays healthy, is going to have a chance to win some games for the Browns. You know, what's left of it in the back half of the season, we'll see. But Miles is Miles. Clowney has looked phenomenal. Um, I think guys like JOK and Greg Newsom, I really think that they are so good on and off the field that I think having them gave the Browns a comfort level to make the trade that they made saying we have these young cornerstones and we have guys who are what we're about so we can go and do this. How that's all gone and how it does go, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we'll see. I still don't like giving up a year, and, and we think that that's what's happened here. So I go in expecting the Browns to have a chance to win Sunday. I go in a lot of Sundays expecting the Browns to have a chance to win, but when it has to be a grinder, when you need everything to go your way, and you are very limited. You can only win a certain type of game. That makes it really hard to win more than you're going to lose over the course of things. Zach, it feels like the Browns are built to play 1995 NFL football. And I don't know that you can have success doing that in 2022. And I'll go back to the stat I pulled up late last year. <clears throat> this was after the Green Bay game. So there may have been a few instances of this after the season because I didn't update the stat after that. But since since the start of 2018, so 18, 19, 20, so the last four years in the NFL, 24 teams have run for better than eight yards a carry in their 12 and 12. And in that same time, teams that average at least 12 yards per pass are 32 and one. 
So we can talk about feeding Nick Chubb. And I say every Sunday, there's no such thing as too much Chubb. Give it to Nick Chubb and get out of the way. And that's all well and good. And I believe that's their best chance to win. I'm just not sure how good of a chance that is when you see numbers like that, that you can run the ball as well as you want in the NFL. And it guarantees you a 500 record. You have to throw the ball to win in 2022. And I think that more than anything is what has me concerned with the Browns. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, you know, they they did not – what's for three years now or, or for the last two, right, what's made this unique is that you have Nick and you have Kareem, right, and you can use them. Kareem's obviously better in the passing game, but you can use them both. You can do things. I, I just wonder with this new quarterback and with no respect to the downfield passing game what you can get away with in terms of using the run to set up the pass and using – um you know, the the screen game and things to set up running opportunities. So if you get in the second half and you have the lead, I feel I, I feel good about it. Um, There's the something Panthers I have lead, never asked you. Well, go ahead, finish up. Yeah, no, I'm, if the Panthers lead by 10 midway through the third, I think we start right in the doomsday. I think we could post up outside the locker room. Yeah, uh, one outside one and the other outside the other. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why... I don't think I've ever asked you, why do you think they're so enamored with Jacoby Brissett? Like, they signed him immediately after acquiring Deshaun. Obviously, that's the guy that they wanted on a short-term suspension. They refused to go get Jimmy or upgrade that spot any other way, even when the suspension was lengthened. Is it just the fact he doesn't turn the ball over? Because that's what I see as the the most redeeming quality of Jacoby Brissett. And and listen, he's a fine man, and I don't want to sit here and disparage him before he's ever taken a snap that counts for the Browns. But I don't know what makes him such an intriguing option for them other than the fact he doesn't turn the ball over. It's that it's the demeanor. It's that he's been here. Um, and I do think to, to an extent there is value in a guy who has been off the radar and then has had to stand in front of the huddle and the meeting room. Right. And, and get ready. Um, they looked and said, we are encountering some adversity here and they probably misjudged what kind of adversity they were encountering on an organizational level and on a, on a level here, because I think it really has been a minimal distraction. And I think in two weeks when they play Pittsburgh and the whole world's talking about how they can't score and how Deshaun Watson's not there and how, what a terrible off season it was. And there's no answers for anything. Then I think it'll be a distraction. But anyway, back to this, um, <laughs> Brissett has played on short notice. Brissett has played on, on bad teams. He's tried to keep good teams afloat. He did start five and two. Um, he with did the Colts. with the Colts. Before he got hurt and they had a rash of injuries. You know, it's just there is a ceiling on what he can do. And that's why after two games, three games, four games, you know, I'm really fascinated to see what Kevin, Alex Van Pelt, Drew Petzing, those guys have in store because you will have seen it. And, you know, teams have seen Stefanski's offense already. And, you know, we'll, we'll go. I, I completely agree with you that without putting words in anybody's mouth, there is no way that anybody intends to fire the head coach or anyone else. But this is the Browns and this is reality. And this thing could be bad. I, I mean, we're coming off this terrible off season and now all of a sudden there's going to be a great season. <laughs> you know, like there's no good vibes. There's no good energy. There's all sorts of questions. And so, yes, you have a great running back crew. And if you get healthy, you have a great O-line. And if you play with the lead, Clowney and Miles just feast. If, if, if. 
right? Yeah. Like a lot can happen. So I don't know. Like I said, I think I'm going to pick them to win Sunday. When we did the season win total reaction last week, I picked them eight and nine. A lot can and does happen, but I just feel like it's in that range. I feel like there's there's a really good defensive effort for at least half the season. I feel like Nick Chubb has a huge season. Um, and I just feel like there's not ever going to be enough that they win three, four in a row or pull away from anybody. Or by the time October rolls around, that they're equipped to go into Baltimore and win, beat Cincinnati on national TV. Like, no, not with this lack of firepower. I just, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think they're two and two after four. A lot of people, a lot of fans seem to think they're going to be four and zero oh or at worst three and one, and I just don't see it. I think they're probably two and two after four. Maybe four and seven, five and six when Watson comes back and this season's probably over. Uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I was just, I, I thought I was alone in that. And that's why I was a little bit surprised to see how low the Browns were in a lot of our preseason rankings. Um, I just, maybe I just heard from too many of the fans, but I just, I, I thought I was the only one that felt like this was going to be, this wasn't going to go the way that we thought it was going to a few months ago. And then I heard you say eight, nine, and, and that's kind of where I have them as well. Eight, nine, nine, and eight, mm-hmm. seven and 10. You can be an eight and nine, nine and 18. And if two second year players take off and you make your kicks and you avoid big penalties or that crazy ass bounce slash ruling going against you, you can go up to, you know? Yeah. You lose two defensive starters for three games and you fumble at the one. And, um, you know, there's a crazy tuck rule ruling somewhere along the way. And Kate York misses a 57 yarder at the end instead of making it. Then you could be a six win team. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always a wide variance in the NFL, but I just think realistically what your offense can be in October and November is so limited that it's hard to see that, you know, going to Baltimore and going to Buffalo could go your way. And then can you really grind out three in a row somewhere along the way outside of that? You know, I don't, none of us know what's going to happen in December in terms of other teams' health in terms of if the AFC West and AFC North do beat each other up, like you can be a 500 team in December and be alive. So I'm really not trying to dive into what that record will be or needs to be, but obviously you need to be playing well. And the realities here are you can't expect much from Brissett and you can't expect Deshaun Watson to come in in December, not having played in two years, not having ever played with this team and just start putting up 40 points. Like maybe, but come on, like I, we invite you to live in the real world here with the rest of us. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see. They're they're trying. One, this group does not want us to know a goddamn thing. It's so frustrating. <laughs> they will not answer a question. And, I, and in this case, I'm not even really talking about Kevin in his just lifeless um, press conferences. I'm talking about Barry and D Podesta. But we do know they're into long term building, right, Jason? They they've shown us that with the contract structure with the way that they focused on drafting 20 and 21 year olds, you know, with, with basically making this move and saying we're, we're willing to do this. So I don't know what the Browns will look like. Um, and obviously, you know, Deshaun Watson is a super talented guy who gives you a chance. And it looks like as long as he completes his treatment program, that this is going to be behind him and this organization to a large extent by a year from now. And you'll still, you know, the Browns, as we record this, have the youngest roster in the league. Again, that's by design. 
most of their key guys are under contract for at least one year after this, like the windows there. I just think, you know, you've, you've put your every inch of or, your organization to a test with this move. There's no way for us to say that they're qualified to pass that test, those tests. You have a great roster that you're at risk of losing a season now. And while you're doing this dance, you know, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson are only going to get better. You know, and like, what if this results in one of these big threes to Fansky, Barry, and Deep Podesta not being back for whatever myriad reasons, right? We don't know what's going on. They won't tell us what's going on behind the scenes. They've just in no way, zero way, put out any kind of unified front. And with the volatility of a locker room and having seen it just last year, what happens to a locker room when a season of high expectations goes sideways? Rather than, I, I honestly think the Browns might be good enough to contend for a playoff spot. But having to give you a prediction, I would just say buckle up. Four days away. It's finally here. Four days away. A football game. And I'm exhausted. <laughs> You're either 1-0 or 0-1, and, and it's like on paper. It actually counts. It's not It's not on Twitter, right? It's, it's on paper. So we'll see. Um, as far as a routine from us guys writing and, and doing these pods, we will have a post-game pods. Um, eventually we have some new things we want to roll out. But with this first game and all this – it's probably going to be the end of the month before we get in a routine because game three is that Thursday. We're feeling our way through. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy the games. We're, we're anxious for the season. So we do appreciate you guys listening and reading. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Jason? Four days away, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> yep. All right, our next pod will be post-game Sunday. Uh, I am going to try to do one of our athletic live rooms with Joe Person, our Carolina beat writer. Tentatively, that's going to be Friday morning. I'll tweet the heck out of it so you guys know, um, you know when when we can do that. But, again, we're wading into a whole new schedule here as far as when there's media access, when we're traveling, um, all of these things. So this will be the Civilized Barking Pod before the game. We'll have all sorts of coverage. I have another story posted here in a few hours. And uh, buckle up. Another brown season is upon us.